Joseph, I believe in you. God never gives us more than we can handle. Are you sure? You don't own me. I'm not your property. So take a shifty little bitty eye of me. Pray without ceasing. That's all we can do. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, our weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode of The Handmaid's Tale Season 3 premieres on SBS and the SBS On Demand. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS, and I'm joined by my colleagues and fellow resistors, Sana Kadar of ABC Life. Hello. Natalie Hambly of SBS Voices. Hi. And Haiti Island of SBS On Demand. Hi. And I've got a uh, sick little baby strapped to me today. She's making probably a few extra snuffles than she usually would. (laughs) Uh, Well, maybe appropriate for this episode to have a noisy baby in the room. (laughs) So we have just watched episode nine of season three of The Handmaid's Tale, which is called Heroic. I swear to you, I'm going to get them out. Confined in a hospital, June's sanity begins to fray. Maybe I'm crazy. An encounter with Serena Joy forces June to reassess her recent actions. You're out of your mind. Of Matthew lies there throughout all of it. If you're lucky, you may get to see her shit herself. And we all get a Belinda Carlisle song stuck in our head. Ooh, baby, do you know that's what? Oh, heaven is a place on earth. <laughs> um... This was a different one. We're going to do our around the room. What stood out for you? Natalie, you look... Uh, you got a funny I have expression actually, on your face. <laughs> I mean, I'm dreading this question, actually. I've yeah. been really trying to think of what is my answer to this? Because normally I have so many highlights to choose from, I have a hard time deciding on the one. Mm. I don't have any <laughs> this week. I feel like I have a whole lot of low lights. Mm. And well, yeah. so I almost want to say pass because I'm, yeah, I'm really struggling to find the really bright spark. And look, if it's going to be anything, it's going to be really grim. Maybe this sparks a conversation around mental illness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yay. Good. Yeah. Sana. Uh, I struggled actually with this one too, Natalie, and I had to really think about it. And I'm going to go with Janine telling June, when did you get to be so selfish? Because there's been a lot of writing around how June is becoming less likable and less sympathetic as a character. And I thought it was really great to finally get someone you know, that's typically on her side to acknowledge that as well and throw it back at her. So, And she said, I don't, I don't like, like it. it. Yeah, 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 she was very firm about her feelings yeah. about it. And, you know, in, in the end, June admitted she's been a shit as well. So, By the way, I'm picking up on our discussion of shame last week. Yeah. That sort of language that Janine used, she said, I don't like it, which is pointing to the behaviour rather than, I don't like you now. You oh, know? oh my gosh, so, clever girl, yeah. Which yeah. is a really great thing. By the way, with parenting and kids is to say that you don't like the behaviour, not that you don't like them. And I was just like... Go Janine. That's so true. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> Haiti, what stood out for you? I like that really up until this season, June has been a typical hero protagonist. Mm. And over the course of this season so far, she's really gone down a bit of an anti-hero path where she's very unlikable and is doing things that we don't want her to do. And we're kind of cheering for her, but we're not really sure about it. And I think that really peaked in this episode. So I was enjoying... June as anti-hero. <laughs> yeah. And for me, um, specific moments, I guess, are, are difficult to pull out in this one. I just loved that it was another Dana Reed episode. She directed my favourite of last year, The Holly, 
Same. Um, yeah, so she's clearly the show's go-to director for a scene in which there's a baby born. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, this one kind of lifted off both of her episodes last year. Remember that the, the one she also did was The Last Ceremony, which had the horrendous rape. Oh, right. Uh, they're all horrendous, but the, one of, uh, the last yeah, one of June. Yeah, graphic um, one. And that episode had so much in the body, like, the, you know, you felt that one very much in the body. This one... You see a lot of wounds. There's a lot of yeah. body moments. Yeah, so I just love the way this feeds back into some of her episodes from last year. Yeah, it's funny you say that because that was what this episode reminded me of, very strongly of Holly last year. And yeah. I think also because, and like, you know that the visuals are not my strong point at all, <laughs> but like Holly last year, was she was in that house and it was snowing and it mm-hmm. was surrounded by white. And I thought in this episode... Again, it was the colour was stripped away and she was in this white room and it felt very they're not really it's not really like a like a capsule episode, but yeah. but a little bit like one, yeah, you it's know. A bottle episode, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. One location and yeah, exactly. The same as the house. The failed hit on Serena then as well. Yeah. This time as well. She tries another go. I'm always intrigued by the format of a bottle episode where things sort of take place in one location. It can be terrible. <laughs> sometimes they just don't work and sometimes in a sitcom or something it's occasionally a cheap way to make an episode but in the best incarnations they are really an examination of the character and you do get to get inside their head and I mean here we are <laughs> we're that's what we're doing for 11 minutes yeah. you know there's 11 minutes before dialogue actually starts in the scenes it's 11 minutes of monologue yeah that's why it was so similar to Holly because with Holly last year there was hardly any other characters and it was really just June and her thoughts and her actions and um, yeah we had that again I loved Holly like that was my favorite episode yeah. last year and this is my least favourite so far. Mm. And it makes me think of what Haiti said recently about how we're sort of dipping down into the low parts of the season, hopefully to build back up again. I really hope that this is as low as it goes. I really hope we start building up from here. I think we have to. Like, I think the ending definitely suggests that. Yeah, she, I, I, June's I agree. back now, I think. Yeah. Seeing those young girls and that second generation of horror about to start, I think, has re- re-energised her. You know, and 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 hearing Janine tell her she's become horrible, also mm-hmm. sort of snapped her out of it. Well, I think of Matthew did. Like she's there throughout this whole episode. Yeah. You know, no brain function. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, in the worst incarnation of what a handmaid is, she's literally just a human incubator now. Yeah, I think ultimately it is her. Well, other people reminding June of of Matthew. I've been sort of wrestling with the question after this episode of, well, what was the point of of Matthew? Why was she here? And what role did she serve? And so I was thinking back to that Holly episode and thinking she's sort of like another, the same way that Emily was another version of June last season. She's kind of another version of June this season. Absolutely. Where all the worst things, unfortunately, happen to of Matthew. So June, in some ways, has had some good outcomes. She's only had one baby in Gilead and she managed to have a free and natural birth on her own out of, out, like outside of that ritual. Mm. And she managed to get her baby out. And then you have of Matthew, who's had three babies here, all to different commanders, whereas June got to have a baby with the man she loved. Mm-hmm. And now she's had her fourth baby, and it was the most medicalized, awful birth possible. And it just... Um, I wasn't even awake for it. Yeah, yeah, it was just... And what made me sad, and it was sort of picking up on what you said last week, Fiona, about that other poor baby who died... Mm. And when June was looking at her, you said, or him, I think, you said at least the baby was acknowledged. Mm. Whereas this time around, I really felt that this time. And I thought at least with Holly in that episode, when June gave birth, there was actually a whole backstory. You felt that Holly was being born into a family. She was originally named Holly for June's mother. 
So she actually got acknowledged. She got a name. And this baby was just, it was just the most awful mm. birth scene. It was just mm-hmm. so depressing. And the baby was just sort of whisked away and doesn't even have a name. And um, so I'm feeling really... Well, it's also very premature. Like it, yeah. it's barely had lung function in, in this time we've been, you know, we, we're not sure exactly how much time passes in this episode. It's sort of a month and then more days and nights. And yeah, so it is very premature. So in terms of, of Matthew, I feel a bit like her character's been quite hard done by and I can see why she's sort of meant to be a different version of June and she sort of got all the worst parts of Gilead in a way. But still, like, she came, she was made to be so unlikable and now she's been killed off. And she's gone and she just fades away in this episode. It's Mm. Yeah, Yeah, it's a little bit sad in a way that this character of Matthew, who was a really interesting character, has kind of been sacrificed in the show to propel a change of heart in June yeah. in a similar way that Eden was sacrificed last season to propel a change of heart in Serena. Yeah, yeah I would have loved to have seen more of, of, of Matthew's character mm. and yes. for that to go further. Yeah, I wanted to know why she was so um, believing of Gilead's aims. Mm. You know, what, what made her be that way, so devout? Yeah, mm. and like you say, yes, she's the character is sort of a function to propel June forward. In truth, everyone in this show is really a function for June. <laughs> you know, June's every yeah. and every woman in there and everyone else is in some way servicing her storyline. I get it, but also of Matthew the character didn't feel as fully formed as the other as other people in this show tend to be. And it was such a shame that um, she's a person of colour. Yeah. Like it's mm. it felt like because I was wondering well, why did they do that as well. Because if they were just doing it to be properly June's opposite, then that's just a really horrible reason. But this stuff matters. And and I feel like with the way that we've seen black women treated on this show now is just pretty horrible. So we've seen one of the Marthas was hung. Poor of Matthew has been shot and then like dragged out of a shop. And now this has happened to her. Now she's been killed off. And it's like, this yeah. is not how we should be doing that. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm finding the whole thing very upsetting, which is, I think, which is why I haven't really liked this episode so much. Yeah. On that, our empathy is with her in the room, though. So I think, like, the show's empathy is with her. I, I absolutely understand what you're saying, for sure. Like, June is the one out of sorts. Yeah. Everyone, we like, don't like June pe- in this episode. People who, like, the doctor, even he's the good guy in the end. And it, it uh, <laughs> but, like, of Matthew is literally her heartbeat is what is the heartbeat of this episode right to the very end. Mm. It's such a difficult one. I, I wish we could actually have an interview in this episode yeah. just to get a sense of what's going on with the of Matthew ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that her body is ultimately just a function, like she, she's so debased and she's literally just an incubator. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think I think there is something in there that it is it is a black body, you know, yeah, that, that right. is treated worse yeah. in this. I did find that really hard to watch, the idea that she's just a a host for yeah. her life. She's silent. She's incapacitated. I just, yeah. That Which, was... by the way, we know has happened in real life as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 it has. Basically, I think, you know, a lot of the criticism that is being written about it is f- absolutely fair. Yeah, me too. But I also think, fuck, this is a hard show for women mm. in general. Like, you know, getting an eye mm. out, getting your, you know, clitoris removed. Like, there's just so much horror here that, you know, all of it gets me <laughs> down sometimes. Yeah. And in this episode, it got me down. Yeah, yeah, I got angry a little bit at the writers in this episode as well. And I agree with you, Natalie. And it reminded me 
of our interview with Bruce Miller last season. And in that interview, I asked him a question about race in the show and how it differed from uh, how race was depicted in the novel. Because in the novel, as we know, everyone of colour just gets sent away and mm. they're no longer part of society. But Bruce Miller and the, and the writers decided to leave them in Gilead so that uh, the diversity of people in Gilead closer rep- represented modern-day America mm. um, because that made it closer to reality, that made it scarier in a sense. And also he made the point that there's a fine line between a show that depicts racists and a racist show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think the criticism that's been directed at the series recently around people of colour and particularly women of colour having bit parts and being very disposable in the show and not being well-rounded and experiences of racism having miraculously kind of been eradicated from Gilead for no Mm -hmm. clear reason, that comes back to what Bruce Miller said. I mean, it's not enough to have a show that just looks diverse. It has to feel diverse as well. But the storylines don't to me at all. Yeah, what the show is lacking and what this narrative arc of the character of Matthew really highlights for me is that the show is missing experiences of people of colour, like legitimate experiences, people of colour, experiences of racism. We had a throwaway line last episode from Aunt Lydia about a commander and his wife not wanting a handmaid of colour and that is basically the first reference to racism existing in Gilead that we've had. Mm-hmm. And your point, Fiona, that maybe the fact that Ov Matthew was of colour and is treated in this horrible way might be another subtle nod to that mm. uh, racism existing. But I think we really we really do need more... Of their actual life more, experiences. Yeah, actual experiences yeah, of women of colour in And the show. fact that it's, you know, a history of slavery on top of current day slavery within Gilead, you know, like that... There's an echoing of history there that doesn't get acknowledged mm. at all. Surely a black character would have a lot more anger or, you know, something to say about that fact yeah. that here they are, how many centuries later, enslaved again. Yeah. In, you know, it's not America anymore, but it's, you know, it's still That's is. something I would think that's natural for Moira to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, that, that's kind of, she's... But she hasn't really, has she? She hasn't at all. That's so true, actually. So. She has not acknowledged yeah. race... Or, or racism at all in the show. Yeah, ever. it's a pretty glaring omission. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because my understanding was that um, Gilead was meant to be this sort of um, post-racism society because they're so, um, they're so afflicted by environmental issues, which sort of trumps everything, you know. Mm. Um, but with the show last week, actually, making the nod to racism still existing. So I guess what I would say on a positive note is I actually really don't enjoy like taking the show to task because I love it so Mm -hmm. much Mm -hmm. and it's such Mm -hmm. a high quality show and they get so much right and the fact that they centre female storytelling to me is just amazing. So what I will say is (laughs) I, I really hope what we're about to see is that change. They've done such an amazing job in so many other areas that I've just got to have faith that yeah (laughs) and that's it as well like you literally don't know what's around the corner in this show and they do play such a long game so like we might actually end who knows but yeah like each episode is not well this one is a bottle episode on it but it's you know they're not typically a self-contained story to be able to analyze that particular thing because it does have such a long tail but yeah it's a tricky one i don't know i i agree with you natalie though saying that this was your least favorite in that i usually look so forward to my second watch of the episodes Mm. and in this one i Sort of didn't want to. <laughs> I Me either. With that idea. Yeah. But okay, here, here's what I'll say that I enjoyed about this episode. Mm, mm. 
They made a real effort to make us feel something visceral in this yeah. episode, right? They like they really targeted some of our senses. So we've talked about you know the sights, the bloody, gory sights mm. of the needle stitching. The yeah, the needle in the finger, the stitching of skin. So. There was the horrible sights. And then there was the sound. Obviously, the sound design was a huge part of mm. this episode. But then I, what I really loved about the monologue was um, when June was describing the smells. They smell of powder and soap. They smell like the ceremony. Like Serena Joy when she held me down. It's hard not to fucking gag. Because yes. I so rarely ever consider what Gilead smells like. And so she's talking about the wives smelling of powder and soap and the handmaid smelling okay. of sweat and like fish sweat. and, you know, like onions, onions which I thought was amazing because that actually really brought store. that scene and that setting alive to yeah. me. So I, I thought that was interesting how they really targeted our senses in this one to make us really feel something viscerally. And, and I June came to her senses in the end. And June yeah. came to her senses. That is such a great point. She did. And so that's something in this episode that I reflected on that I quite enjoyed. Mm. Surprisingly for me in this episode was that a man actually got to have a good role. Like normally the men are villains like every, every single time. And so when the surgeon came in and my heart sort of sunk and I just went, this is just going to go badly, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And side note, was he an Ali McBeal? Yeah. Okay. It was yeah, that was so familiar. Was it Ali Gil McBeal? Gil the actor. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably best. He's best known for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I was a bit disappointed and I was like, oh no. And then he actually, for me, I should have said maybe, probably he was actually the highlight. And when he actually talked to June and he was the only one who was understanding her. And I feel like maybe like the only one of everybody, including us, including fans, you know, he was the, <laughs> he's the only one who sort of has actually seen her mental trauma and understood it for what it is. Because as mm. you said earlier, Haiti, with June being an anti-hero this season, she has been unlikable. She is making decisions that we haven't enjoyed and the outcomes have been terrible, you know, like let's not forget the Martha who died. And so she has been hugely unlikable and I've seen a lot of messages as well of people sort of hating June this season and to a point where I think we have perhaps forgotten what a victim June and all the handmaids actually are. But it took that doctor, it, like his role just went in a way that I did not expect at all. Yeah. And for him to actually acknowledge that she's actually got suicidal thoughts and she has had now for a very long time. And I just thought, we actually really needed him to spell that out mm. for us. Yeah, needed a medical professional, you know, even if it is a medical professional in Gilead. But he is very dispassionate, basically does not even consider of Matthew in this whole yeah. thing. Um, you know, when they're stitching her up, oh, don't worry about a scar. Even at the end, actually, when when they finish the practice cesarean. Yeah, have practice. Like, it, but he's treating her like a cadaver mm-hmm. already before she's even dead. But when he's interacting with June, he is quite decent. And the biggest thing for me was he recalls Holly. Like, he knew Holly and Holly... Holly's brought back in. I love the bits where they reference Holly Senior. Did we you know, know she was an obstetrician before? Yeah. yeah Did we? Okay. Well, yeah, because she, she performed abortions back ah, in the day. And, yeah. Um, yeah, she's always June's North Star kind of thing. So I think that's also, you know, she's obviously gets the credit again for helping navigate June back on the right path there. And he puts in the idea of her head, the idea of legacy, because she's been... Unlikable because she's she has been selfish. Janine is right to call her on that. She's been focused on her daughters, just literally how can she get her children out, not thinking of all the handmaids, all the children, everyone who's in the same predicament. She's she's been very selfishly focused on 
her own kids where he, he you know, plants the idea of what are you doing? What's, what's your legacy going to be for, for you girls, but also everyone else? That's funny you say that because she spent so much time this season trying to convince Serena to care about all the handmaids in, in Gilead and their experiences. Yeah. And she wasn't. She was just focusing on herself. Well, yeah. at the end of this episode, she does promise to have Matthew, I'm going to get all the kids mm. out. So she's, yes. she's and that's, had a change that's, of heart. Yeah, that's the big turning point. Yeah. And I mean, for of Matthew, she... You know, she's had four kids in there. Mathematically, <laughs> like the, the chances that one possibly one or some of her children might might benefit from from this. That that's you know, fingers a little, crossed. A little vow that June makes there. It's, How the hell is she going to do this though? What, how exactly is she going to get all the kids of Gilead Well, out? it's good she's going to try. <laughs> Our girl's back. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny because like, I was thinking of the trailer that we saw before this season started and it was very much June in action. It was very much I'm going to need allies. And we got a hint of it, I think, in episode two or three where June actually sort of got to pick five women who are going to be part of her future army who we have never gone back to yes. ever again. Yeah. And I feel like we've been waiting a long time, you know, <laughs> and I really I really don't want this to be something that just comes right at the very, very end. I, res- I really want to start galvanising behind June now. So um, fingers crossed. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, I, th- I think there's a real change in her at the end of this as a result of this episode. It reminds me of last season when she was pregnant and went on a similar downward spiral. Yeah. Do you remember the episode where it was kind of ambiguous as to whether she tried to throw herself out of the window yes. in the Waterford's house. Oh, yeah, house. which apparently she was, do and then like, an editing error. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was found in the garden and that was kind of her mental low point there. This episode really reminded me of that mental dip and then her eventual recovery last season. So, yeah, I'm expecting something similar. And on Janine, she's really the conscience in this show, isn't she? She's, you know, June's conscience, but the way she comes in when June has the scalpel at the ready, Janine comes in to save off Matthew doesn't work out in the long run, obviously, but she's kind of the moral compass of this show. And she, you know, can come across as simplistic a little bit in the way she says things, but her faith and she brings up prayer and sort of the consequences of prayer. And she feels guilt at not praying for of Matthew and thinks that that's why of Matthew had a dip. But the idea of prayer here and, you know, the use of heaven is a place on earth multiple mm-hmm. times. Um, <laughs> yeah. What do you reckon here? Like it's a thoughts and prayers kind of episode in that everyone's, <laughs> Praying for things to happen, but just letting things I mean, <laughs> fall out. I feel like there's, what else can they do? They've got no other power, no other um, agency. All she can do is proffer her thoughts and prayers, really. You know, what else is Janine going to do? Mm. But I think, I think it also kind of works as well, like in that Janine is, you know, the embodiment of having faith and praying. So I, I, I don't think it's a diss as well. I think in that Janine does wake up June's conscience a little bit. Others, you know, the idea of Holly does it even more. And of course, um, you know, what happens with Matthew, just watching her pass away for who knows why, what her whole purpose was. But yeah, it's it's funny because I always think that Janine has the worst instincts. (laughs) She always has the worst take every single time. And again, I think that was, for me, that was again shown in this episode because we saw just how much June had dipped mentally. And it actually is probably the most sane response because she is in a crazy world where everything is upside down. Nothing makes sense anymore. The way that she has responded is completely understandable. I think that we would probably all feel that way. How could you, how, how could you not? 
Mm. So how can Janine not? You know, like, how is she still believing in the system? She still takes a kindness from Lydia. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> this is like those stories of when a horrible man steals a woman and, and puts her in the basement, but like, <laughs> but like buys her Christmas presents every year. Stockholm you know? Syndrome. Yes. It's like, come yeah, on. She's come just, on, Janine. She's just had her face slashed by Ov Matthew and she's there defending her. <laughs> yeah, like, how much horror can this woman take and still be doing thoughts and prayers and not want to burn the whole place down. Like, how does she not go off scavenging to try and find three more scalpels, you know? (laughs) Her her instincts to me just always feel completely bizarre. Well, it's interesting. Like, you you mentioned that of Matthew's mirroring June, but, like, of Matthew kind of mirrors Janine a bit, doesn't she? Because Janine's sort of playing along the system and is Mm. being quite pious and they're they're kind of shadowing each other a bit here, I think. Because I always thought of Matthew's response... Clearly, she's just gone through so much trauma that mm. that was her coping mechanism. Mm. Well, Janine too. Yeah, so exactly. Mm. Is that what this is for Janine? Is this her coping mechanism? Mm. Yeah, I think so. And the prayer is sort of her coping mechanism as well. It's it's like June says, it's her form of therapy. It's getting her through. Yeah. Yeah. That contrasts well with the conversation June has with the young girl yeah. at the end where... Um, the girl makes a comment to the effect of, well, if you've got a sick friend that you've been visiting, you just need to pray really hard and she'll get better. And just this complete disconnect with uh, June's reality and experience and this young girl's reality and experience. Mm. Absolutely, because we've just watched, June's been in there for months and she's not praying, she's finding song lyrics in the (laughs) beeping of the machines. Maybe maybe she should have been praying, you know, maybe that would have helped. (laughs) Just one more thing about, this episode and like sort of the conceit of the episode, the whole time I was sort of thinking as if they're going to leave her in a room with a very vulnerable fetus without a camera pointed at her for her to go and maybe suffocate her and, you know, cut her with the scalper. I just, I found that, I mean, this is a police state. How are they letting Mm. her just hang out on her own in this room with a very vulnerable baby? Yeah, I had that thought too. (laughs) Yeah, mind you, I mean, she was... She, there was a chair there. <laughs> she was not sitting at all. She was kneeling the whole time. Yeah. So it was like she she was internalising and like having to kneel with the getting the extremely sore knees from yeah. having to do that for such extended period of time. So it was a very prominent chair she could have been sitting in the whole time. <laughs> she but chose that punishment. <laughs> obviously wasn't allowed to. Yeah. I liked the way the light and the darkness here dictated her moods a little bit. Sort of, you know, when the lights mm. come on, she's a bit more lucid. But then in the night time is when the dark things happen and when she's skulking around <laughs> trying to find the, the sharp objects. And, yeah, putting a hand down the Sharps disposal. That's a camera shot we've not seen before in the the Sharps disposal cam. (laughs) Anyway, um, interesting. Uh, And she, you know when she's kneeling and you see the overhead shot, there's some nice um, overhead shots in this one, but, you know, and the light is off to the side of her. She's not in the light yet. And there's a line, actually, that Aunt Lydia says to Janine. May his healing light shine upon you. So I think that's mm. quite a telling line of this episode as well. Sort of June is cooped up in a room with artificial light for most of the time. The sunlight's kind of missing her most of the time. Yeah, just the idea of light and heaven on earth and praying throughout this. Yeah, I don't know. It's all in there with this you know, one. In a way the the light of the hospital is artificial and the and the prayer is is forced in a sense, yep. so it's artificial as well and, and except the, for Janine. It's not artificial with Janine. her. That mm. is true. And it's only when she goes outside at the end of the episode where notably it's raining water guys <laughs> water symbolism <laughs> only when she goes out into the light of day does she actually have her 
epiphany yeah. as such and decides to go back in. Although there's not much light out there. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty gloomy. <laughs> yeah, but, but she's it's been cooped n- up for months. Yes. <laughs> it's natural light, though, and yeah. not the artificial yeah. light of the hospital. Yeah. Did anyone think she was about to slash Janine's wrist? Yes. When when Janine put her hand out to grab the scalpel, I was like, oh, crap, this is going to go <laughs> sideways fast. It was a vulnerable uh, extension of the arm there. Yes. Yeah. Please, no more harming of Janine. <laughs> yeah, leave Janine alone. No, she, she got Serena instead, thankfully. Not very well, though. No, <laughs> it seemed like it was a very big... Yeah, cut. she was in a weakened, uh, weakened state. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was a bit of a... I think she ended up with the worst cut out of that, actually. Yeah. And Serena doing another 180 on us. Just yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just after that horrible fight that they had. Um, You're the, supposed to be one of the strong ones. Yeah. yeah, we thought you were, yeah. And well, that was like a really great point, though, right? Because she is one of the strong ones, and Gilead is just that bad that... Of course, that's how you react. June's reaction was incredibly normal, exactly how a healthy person put in that situation would act. But the relationship between June and Serena is so fascinating, isn't it? Like, I almost need like a psychologist to come on here and talk to us about it. Like, there's some sort of weird symbiosis happening there. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure what Serena was going to say when she mm-hmm. left the room. She could very easily have dobbed her in and, yeah. and had June hung. Yeah, you know, on the wall, but she didn't. She could have done that many times over, but yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she could have. So, yeah, I'm wondering, is that is she going to do that one day? <laughs> like, she could do this at any time, really. The fact that she hasn't yet is kind of interesting. Yeah. I, well, I think she does see June as a foil, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think to see her weakened, like, that's not the time Serena's going to get June. You know what I mean? Like, she can see that mm. she knows the circumstances are causing the way that June had a half-hearted jab at her then. I, I think... Serena didn't in any way feel threatened in that situation. She stepped away. She she had the power in that room because June was a reduced. So broken, yeah. yeah. Mm. So I, I think if Serena's going to dob June in, it's going to be for something bigger than an attempted jab after a month. Yeah, I, I was wondering whether a few episodes ago when Serena and June cut that deal and June said that she yeah. wanted Serena to owe her, I wondered if there was a little bit of that playing into this scene and how Serena reacted or whether that kind of bargain still holds whether mm. she's going to owe her in another way yeah yeah oh, i don't think that was the favor that that seemed like a natural response from serena it's like a von Strahovski said to us that she's very calculating in the way she mm. considers the world i think in this moment she didn't really think through how she was going to deal with this moment it was more oh she's in a bit of trouble in that room you better go and see <laughs> her out it wasn't a yeah she didn't think about how can i benefit from june having yeah. a stab at me just there and then I thought it was really interesting that um, a line that now when June's feeling all empowered again, thank God, and she wants to get all of the children out of Gilead and she says something along the lines of, I want them to know how this feels. Because Gilead should know how this feels. Yeah, and and it was a great line, but it actually reminded me of something that Margaret Atwood said. I was lucky enough to see her talk in Sydney earlier this year. I think she was brought out as part of the University of New South Wales. And she was speaking at the Sydney Opera House and she was talking about two of her books, The Handmaid's Tale, of course, as well as Oryx and Craig. But at the end, she was talking about politics and she said something about how when revolutions come, it's not so everybody is equal. It's so that those on the bottom get to have a turn at the top. (laughs) And I just thought, oh, yeah, that's so interesting. That is exactly what June just said. It's not that she wants everyone to be free and now we can all skip happily into the daisies. You know, it's actually... She wants to have a turn at the top now. And she mm. wants them She wants them to pay those at the top right now for what they've done. Mm-hmm. Yep. How many episodes do we have to go? 10, 11, 12, 13. Four. All right, four. Okay. So 
So bring it on high. I, I need a fight, man. I need something to happen that's positive because uh, we are all feeling rather low energy about this and a yeah. bit down in the dumps. You know, I have been thinking about that because, yeah, there, you know, everyone's sort of, oh, when's, when's yeah. this going to happen? I, I feel like this season is a lesson for anyone who might be in the real world wanting change, wanting certain regimes to be toppled, wanting certain occupants of the White House to not be in the White <laughs> House, um, hypothetically. And I think the message is like, it's just not going to happen overnight. Like there's going to be sacrifices. It's a long wait to do this. So yeah. Yeah. They're know. frustrating us like, as viewers. Yeah. Because and I think trying to topple uh, Gilead will take time and we'll have many frustrated attempts. Yeah. And I, I just feel like this season is just a little... It's not going to happen overnight, everyone. Mm, <laughs> Message yeah. from... But maybe makers. in the next four episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Now, now it's on. <laughs> Ten episodes, not so much. The last four, maybe. Yeah. Mm. So I guess prediction time, really. Um, episode 10. What do we think? I'll make a prediction, which will probably be wrong. I'm hoping it's wrong. But I think we're not going to see Hannah for a very long time. Mm. I think she's going to remain... Elusive. I agree. I think she's been lost. Thanks to for breaking the my heart, guys. Um, <laughs> great. <laughs> well, June acknowledges that, doesn't she? To yeah. Doctor, like yeah. A sort of, and I think, you know, she's been try- fixating on that since first episode of this season. Like, she was going to get Hannah and then get out. Mm-hmm. Um, but all her avenues, like Lawrence mm. said quite definitively, I don't know where she is and I'm gonna, not going to try and find it for you. So That's a good yeah. point, yeah. She's lost to the, yeah, lost we came, the system. We came into this season thinking it would be about June getting Hannah and yeah. that would all be about Hannah. And I've uh, finally given up hope that that is what this season is going to be about. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the wake-up call was, well, like, it may not be her specifically, but it'll be others and hopefully as a result of all of those others, maybe she'll benefit in some way. So mm. <laughs> We'll need a season four. That, that'll, oh, be yeah. the, that'll be the Hannah season. <laughs> and if not that, then the five. <laughs> uh, who else wants to be? Oh, I got nothing. Well, I'm really missing Emily and Moira, because I love them so much and I just can't seem to have enough Emily. It was always a controversial choice to keep June in Gilead and apparently even in the writer's room there was dissent and they weren't quite sure whether she should have escaped or not. And just by how much I'm enjoying the Emily scenes, I think they totally actually could have been a workable season of June trying to make change from Canada. But my prediction, four episodes to go, is I really hope that Moira and Emily really really get together and um, and they're the ones who, who help bring down Gilead some way, somehow, while Luke very, very, very well just minds the baby. <laughs> <laughs> and never screens a phone good. call ever again. Yeah. <laughs> just, just every time his phone rings. Yeah. Oh, are, are, we, are we actually looking to me? Yeah, um, I, I literally... I do, you, do you perhaps want to see Fred cozying up with the new command, the other command? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I want to see Fred, not at all. Nick, come on. <laughs> oh, Chicago? That's fine. A, a bit more of Nick action. That'd be great. Oh, well, I mean, that's a given every week. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, Something to bring some joy. Yeah, right. Uh, <coughs> that's Greta telling us what uh, her prediction is for next week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, obviously, yeah, we have to get more into the Canada and the, and the Fred and the, their machinations on, on this whole thing. How much more do you know? Because you know more than we do about how this all ends. Are you sort of all caught up now as far as the stuff Ish. that you know? Ish. The, I, they hadn't written a few of the scripts, but Tell um, us more. Mike Barker did say what the grand plan would be for oh, the yeah, finale. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I don't have any specifics, but... You know the mm. general arc of what's going to happen. Broadly. Broadly. Very, very do you broadly. like it or do you not like Stop it? Stop it. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm assuming I we're not really. My life away, <laughs> I'm assuming we're not really going to see much of Chicago. I feel like they've spent all their budget yeah. shooting in Washington. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, the, usually a bottle episode is to preserve money for a bigger scene somehow elsewhere. Ooh. So okay, we're reading um, into that. That's going to bring us something big next. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Why don't we just wait and find out, huh? <laughs> so that is it for now. Thank you for listening. We hope that helped. I don't know. Did it help I, I think we're all sort of, you know, just gathering our thoughts and sort yes. of reassessing where we're at and Bit of recalibration. Our way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, felt, um, I felt like I really needed the group therapy that is this podcast mm, to mm. get through this episode. Well, thank you all. Thank you, Sana Kadar, Natalie Hambly, Haiti Island, and little baby Greta. But thank you for listening and for making our little show a part of your Handmaid's Viewing experience. We're kind of thrilled at the way that uh, you're taking to this and we love reading your theories about what's going to happen next in Handmaid's Tale. We, you know, speculate pretty terribly and, um, yeah, we love seeing what you <laughs> want to make of this show. So do reach out on Twitter. That's where, um, where the conversations are happening. So use the hashtag Eyes on Gilead. Yeah, like really loving the tweets and the hashtag and we do check it out. And the response from last week's episode, there was a tweet from Karen, which I really enjoyed. And she was seeing the symbolism of the baby who died with the cord around its neck. Yes. And she said it was like the promise of Gilead, i.e. the children, is actually being strangled. Mm. And I thought, oh, that was a really nice yeah, pickup. And her prediction for this episode was of Matthew and Chains awaiting a baby. And you know what? Oops. That was pretty close. She's not not doing that. Yeah. And there was another one which was from Ms. Leslie and it was about Aunt Lydia and why Aunt Lydia is who she is after we saw that backstory and she says she's just emotionally and sexually repressed and filled with self-disgust about her desires, judging herself as having loose morals like she's judged the single mother. And I just thought, yep, spot on, 100%. Mm. It was funny the, the way people reacted to the Lydia backstory. Yeah, some thought it was out of character the way she responded there, but yeah, I don't know. I was all for it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> as you know. <laughs> so, as they have all done, use the hashtag Eyes on Gilead and um, join in the conversation there. You can find me on Twitter at anything but Fifi. Sana, where can we find you? At Sana underscore Kadar. Natalie? At Natalie Hambly. Haiti? At Haiti Island. And as I say, use the hashtag Eyes on Gilead. And uh, feel free to leave your feedback and give us a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. It helps other people find the show. For more Handmaid's coverage, head to SBS Guide, where you'll get some recommendations for other things to watch as you await the next episode. Speaking of which, new episodes of The Handmaid's Tale Season 3 premiere every Thursday on SBS and at SBS On Demand. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, with editing and mixing by Jeremy Wilmot. You don't own me, I'm not your property, so take your dirty Go home, please. No, you may not. Ridiculous. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down.